Somebody shout glory. glory. Could you let me know when you're ready back there, you're all set? Amen. We thank God for a time of worship in the sanctuary, and I won't truly be before you long because I yet have just a simple question for you. Amen. Come on, bow your heads right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your presence, God, asking you, God, that you would have your way in this place, Father God, that you would just uh, touch lives and minds and hearts alike, God, that we can seek a deeper revelation of who you are, God, as we challenge ourselves, God. As we came this morning seeking, God, we ask you, Father God, that now you should find us, God. And the church says, as you look across the church, um, any church for that reason, it's almost as if it's like a costume party. Everybody dresses up, put your nice outfits on, but I, I, the question is today, is who is the real you? The title of my message today is, will the real you please stand up? So many times we come to church and we have these fake smiles on. It seems that fake smiles are more consistent in church than real Christians are, but I'll leave that alone. That's for another day. Uh, we all seem to think we have to play church or we have to act as if that we have it all together so that people will embrace us. When in reality, it's when you open up and tell people what is wrong with you, then people can come and embrace you. Follow me so far. We put these masks on and you have to understand that these masks simply cover the wounds. And as for a certain time with any wound physical, it is if not properly treated, it's going to lead to an infection. And then what begins to happen is that in your spirit, because you haven't dealt with the real issues, that now you are infected in the way of your life. You haven't dealt with your hurts, so you're infected with how you deal with people. Because somebody messed you up. So because you didn't deal with it correctly, now you become infected. Some of you dealt so long for fake churches and fake preachers and fake pastors that now when somebody real comes up to you, you don't know how to accept it because you haven't treated the wound from before. You following me today? I know it's hot, but just bear with me, bear with me. We put band-aids over bullet wounds almost. We mask everything. Everybody knows that when you, when you put a bandage over an over a injury for too long and you take it off, one of two things happens. It probably stinks depending on how long you had it because you ain't clean it, right? And second thing is it's very pale. The skin around it is very white because it's not that hasn't been a lot of blood flow to it, not a lot of oxygen going into your skin. And what happens is when you cover your spiritual wounds, you become pale in your spirit and you no longer exude the glory of God. Ask the person next to you, what's your mask? When you look in the mirror, why is it you never see yourself? The mask hides your face from God. It does not allow God to illuminate your life. I still don't understand how you can come to church and week after week and still not have the boldness just to lift your hands or even feel the unction of the Holy Spirit telling you to lift your hands to worship God. But you're here every single week and still you don't know. It's because you're masking yourself and the real you has not yet decided to come to church. Am I okay, Polly? I don't know if you guys noticed, but Carlos isn't standing here today. I think I pick on him too much. He just... We hide our issues rather than revealing them and seeking God in prayer. Never realizing that when you fail to bring your issues to God, 
you are living in rebellion to God. The Bible says rebellion is like the sin of divination, which is witchcraft. In Greek, in the original Greek, because the New Testament was written in Greek, the, the literal translation is, oh, here comes Carlos. The literal translation, come on, put your hands together for Carlos. The literal translation of this scripture is that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion, refusal to submit to authority. Rebellion, refusal to, to actually take an order. Refusal to give God your life. Refusal to, to let God take over your life. Rebellion, somebody shout rebellion. So the question becomes when we mask our face, we're living in rebellion to God. Job said this of those who wear masks. He said the wicked rebel. This is Job 24, 12 through 20. And I'm reading from the Living Bible. The wicked rebel against the light and they are not acquainted with the right and the good. They are murderers who rise in the early dawn to kill the poor and the needy. At night they are thieves and adulterers waiting for the twilight when no one will see me, they say. They mask their face so no one can know them. Uh, they break into houses at night and sleep in the daytime. Because they are not acquainted with the light. The black night is your morning. They ally themselves in the terrors of the darkness. But how quickly they disappear from the face of the earth. You may say, Pastor, I'm not a murderer. But when you're in rebellion, you are murdering your call in Christ. You may say, Pastor, I'm not a thief, but when you're in rebellion, you're stealing your life from God. You may say, Pastor, I'm not robbing nobody, but you're robbing God of the anointing he gave you, and you're putting it to fruit, fruitless use in your life. And you wonder why things go wrong in your life. You ever felt like somebody put a curse on you? You ever felt like you had just such a bad luck that this is only me who has this bad luck? Come on, somebody talk to me. I got something to tell you. That was you who put the curse on yourself. Don't over-spiritualize simple things. The Bible says, God would never give you more than you can handle, correct? But when you go ahead and sin, I was talking to somebody just a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling me how hard their day was because they had a kid outside of wedlock, and now they have all these problems. Now, but God said he would never give me more than he can handle. God didn't give you that baby. You did what you did. You created that problem. Now you got to handle it because it got nothing to do with God. When your sins become too much to handle, it's not about God giving you more than you can handle or you can't handle. What it really has to do with is what you've created in your life and what you've given yourself. You, you, you follow me today? But then every time we find ourselves in a bind, but God would never give me more than I can handle and I can't handle this. Uh, well, maybe God didn't give it to you. You following me? Where's my volunteers? Somebody give it up for our volunteers. You guys are like the Jabberwockies. Don't, don't stop. It would be you. It would be you to do that. You see, sometimes you put a mask on your face. And you come to church and you pretend. I think the greatest actors are living in church. Am I lying? Y'all quiet on me this morning. 
the greatest actors are living in church and you put this face on when in reality there's brokenness, there's struggle, there's all types of sin, there's all types of mess, but you put your Jesus face on and you come to church like if it's okay, rather than just being the real you and say, man, my life is a living hell and I'm going through all types of crap at home. I'm living in victory. God is so good. I'm so happy to be in church when in reality you woke up today and said, I don't even want to go to church. I'm, can, can, I just, can I go there for a few minutes? Here's the classic one. We all sit there and we joke around. We put, we put jokes over our hurts. We try, we try and go ahead and say, oh, this is funny and that's funny. We make jokes so that people won't ask us what's wrong with us. Instead, we become the center of attention. We try and make everybody laugh or everything's funny or laughter's the best medicine. No, it's not. Because the Bible says this. Thank you so much. The Bible says this in Proverbs. And once again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Proverbs 14, 13. Laughter cannot mask a heavy heart because when the laughter ends, the grief still remains. That's why when you go to a party, you can have so much fun. I don't know if y'all chew. I went to Emma's birthday party last night. We had so much fun, but I know that more than half of you left there. And when the laughter faded and subsided, you were still the mess you walked in. Even though everybody saw you having fun, having a good time. Ask the person next to you, what's your mask? We have these masks on. And no one ever sees the reality of who we are. People with masks run out of church after church because they don't want to socialize with nobody. Because they don't want anybody to be able to infiltrate their spirit and really see where they're at. Which is why so many people come to church and run in and out. Because they don't want to have nobody really get close to them. They want God at a distance. They want to date Jesus but never marry him. You have to understand that, that, that people who come in and out of church, they come out of church because they're so frustrated that if you did ask them a question, they just might snap at you. What do you mean I look down? I'm not down. And they go home and just say, why didn't I just tell them? Well, the moment you tell somebody you have this pain in your eyes, well, why am I judging me? You're judging me. You're judging me. They're wearing masks. Can we be honest today? Ask the person next to you, where's the real you? You feel as if people will not understand you, and check this out, or maybe even you judge them. If they knew the real you, you might think they might judge you, but yet you don't realize that you just judge them by thinking they would judge you. You judge them. And by the same measure you judge others, so shall ye be judged. In case you just missed that, what I literally said in a, in a nutshell is that you think so highly of yourself that you don't let nobody else talk into your life. And so you think that people are going to think less of you. And because you think it, you actually speak life into it. And they think less of you because you act like you're too good to talk to anybody in the church because you think you're something special when you're not. And then you wonder why you got no friends. Because you think so highly of everybody, like everybody's going to judge me. So I'd rather keep to myself because you're wearing a mask, you're fake, you're hurting, and you're living a lie 79% of your life. I'm almost done. Got the Spanish folk in the building. <laughs> it's like you're all dressed for Halloween. <laughs> Trick or treat, he says. I love my church. 
21% of the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you wear these masks of happiness, these masks of strength, masks of confidence, of uh, masks of indifference like nothing bothers you, masks of piety as if you're so humble, covering up a real lifeless spirituality. I think if we were honest, we are afraid to truly let ourselves be known to others because we carry this into relationships with God and with people. And we're so afraid of being honest, not only with people, but with God about how we feel and about what we struggle with and what we face. Because why? We think no one will understand. You with me so far? behind your mask. Behind her mask is fear. Who gave you this one that was so accurate? Did you give it to her on purpose? Yvette has a ministry in her life that she, can I share? Yvette has a ministry in your life. You have a little bit of just, it's permanent marker, you're screwed. God has called Yvette to, to go internationally and be a missionary almost. Amen. Yvette wants to probably work with uh, maybe even children or work in the people who are sold into sex, slavery, or whatever it is. Yvette has a desire. Rather, Yvette has a call, a tugging, a nagging, a pulling on her life. God's pulling her, and she's so afraid. How many of you hide behind the mask of fear? Afraid to, afraid to, thank you so much, afraid, how about this, afraid to be loved. You see, what happens is this, Carmen, is that when a kid does something and gets hurt, or the reason my, oh, I can't use my parents, they used to beat me for whatever, but, but the reason parents, parents hit their children is so that for the next time the kid knows this action will get that reaction. And so they become afraid to go near the oven because mommy smacked me in the face. You become, I don't know about nowadays, but you become afraid to walk into an adult conversation and just say something. When I was younger, you sat at the dinner table when pastors were talking. You just did one thing. You just sat there. That's if you got to sit at the table. Usually they put a kid's table to the side. And you walked up to them and you would have to at least say, excuse me, kids nowadays ain't got no respect. And I knew that I would get smacked either right in front of them or after that. So I was not going to do it. fear. And so because somebody mistreated you, now you're afraid to be treated by anybody. One doctor misdiagnosed you, now you hate all doctors. You follow my point? You wear a mask of fear in your life, afraid to answer God's call, afraid that you can never live up to what God expects you to do. Afraid that God's expectations are too high. Afraid to lift your hands in church because you think you're going to look dumb. But the fact of the matter is that 80% of the church lift their hands so you look dumb by not doing it. You with me? You want this mask? Mask of fear. You don't have no fear. You're like a... <laughs> Reuben says, take this one, please. Ask the person next to you, what's your mask? What is your mask? Ruben, give me your mask. The whole word is on your forehead. I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. You sure? I don't, I don't know. This mask. Past hurts. 
I never understood why what's behind you dominates what's in front of you. <laughs> God's given, you know, me the ability in many areas, I'll say, of my life to move forward. But so many of us dwell in the past. And it's really kind of, it's like renting two apartments and only living in one. And you live in the one that doesn't have your furniture, doesn't have your food, doesn't have nothing. And you go back to that empty apartment every night. When you got, you got, it's like one of the, the apartment in the middle of like the ghetto in PT. If anybody lives there, I'm sorry. But it's like going to your apartment in PT when you have one up in Fairfield full of everything. And the PT one's empty. And there's nothing but mess there and tons of roaches and rats. And all you're doing is dwelling there and saying what you used to have, what you used to be, where you used to, used to, used to. Instead of saying that God has given you the now, the now to maximize it, to take hold of it, to grab it and say, I'm moving forward i don't want the past no more but instead we go back and forth back and forth and we live in the past and 90 percent of our life is dominated by where we've been rather than where god wants to take you in your life god don't give me more than i can handle but we keep going back god never made you go back down memory lane that was you nah gotcha you're sweating more. I wanted to make you sweat more. Oh. Doubt. Doubt. Some of you would say stuff like, if Jesus came to my house, I wouldn't even doubt him. If God appeared to me, I still would. I wouldn't doubt him. If God himself came up to me and told me he was calling me, I wouldn't doubt him. Jesus walked right up to Thomas and he said, prove it. You doubt. You doubt you can be successful in your careers. You doubt that God can actually use you or that God wants to use you, not realizing he had you born so he just so he could use you. You doubt that you ever find love because of what you've been through. Come on, can I just be real today? You doubt that you can ever, ever truly get past the experiences you've had in your past hurts that you keep going back to. You doubt that God can do the thing you need. You doubt that God can bring peace to your marriage. You doubt that God can bring peace to your finances. You doubt that God can do anything. And so because you doubt, you make second plans that God don't need your second plans. God needs you to just let him do his thing. That's like you going to the dentist and saying, oh, well, do it this way. Give me a mirror so I can see what you're doing. I, 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 when you go to the dentist, do you ask him what he's doing or you just sit in the chair and he does his work? But you don't trust God. You doubt God in every form, fashion available. You doubt God. You doubt God. And the dumbest thing is when you doubt yourself. You know why you can't doubt yourself? Because what the Bible says is that when you come to Christ... God lives in you, so what you're really doubting is God himself, not you. So when you say, I'm doubting myself, no, you're doubting the God in you. Because that's what's calling you to do great things, is the God that is in you. Y'all following me this morning? What, this afternoon? Come on. You relieved? Divorce. Five out of ten marriages outside the church fail. Seven out of ten in the church fail. 
Isn't that crazy? Some people have been hurt by marriage, don't want to go through it again. So then we're comfortable living in sin. Some people have things in their marriage that is causing them to be torn apart whether to serve God or not. You hearing me? So many people in the church have been divorced. So many kids have been torn apart by divorced families. So one of the key things, the devil, he can get seven out of ten Christian homes to divorce. And that means either the mother or the father might not be going to the same church, which means you're not raising the kids the same way with the same values, and you end up with brokenness and hurt in children through divorce. How many people do I know in this church hurt by divorce? How many of you right now are facing divorce? How many of you right now are contemplating divorce? Because maybe you're, you're, this is your second, third marriage, some of you guys, and, and you don't know how to make it right because you just keep on doing the same things you were doing before, not realizing that's why you've got to change your now so that you won't relive the same things. We're supposed to learn from our mistakes, but instead we repeat them over and over and over and over. Could somebody be honest and say, I've been hurt by divorce? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So many young people I know hurt by divorce. To some of you who say, well, pastor, I'm not married. Let me tell you something. One day you will be married, young people. Well, God willing, if you get past the past hurts that I threw back there somewhere behind me. And when you do get married, you're going to face that. You're going to face that divorce. You're going to face that thought process that says, I can do better by myself. I don't need nobody else. Can I have your mask? I said, can I? I don't want it. Okay. Let me see your mask. It's messed up, right? <laughs> you all right, Tucci? Suicide. I need somebody to be honest with yourself that at least on a weekly basis you think you might be better off dead. You may say, I don't have suicidal tendencies, but you sure as heck have suicidal thoughts. And you think, you know what, I, I can just be done with it. I don't even feel like there's a God. I don't feel like anything in my life can get any better. So let me just do away with myself. Let me just get past all this. And let me just, let me just, you know, this is too much to bear. This pain is too much. This hurt is too much. Let me tell you something. I've dealt with the spirit of suicide in my life since, what, nine years old? Deanna's preached on her. She's dealt with it half her life. That's a generational curse in my family. Every week on a weekly basis, let me tell you something. I deal with suicidal thoughts, and I have to fight the enemy in my life because I know that I'm making a difference. And, and so many young kids throughout their life are just committing suicide, and old people, and they're committing suicide. And why? Because they think they have nothing to offer. But the fact of the matter is we haven't tried really. People hurt by suicide when people around you, the only, they think that everybody's gonna, nobody's going to miss me. And, and they hurt everybody around them. Do you know that suicide is one of the greatest acts of selfishness in the world? To take your own life and hurt everybody else around you? And you've experienced this hurt in your life. 
but you put a mask on like if you're fine, like if you're okay. When you are not. I was meeting a friend one day and I met this friend's brother's girlfriend. Oh, this is my brother's girlfriend and this, this, this and that. And a couple of days later, I was at the person's house, you know, at my friend's house. And they, I said, yeah, your brother's girlfriend seemed nice. And they said to me, oh, you, met, you met her representative. I said, what do you mean? That's not the real her. Trust me. I said, all right. So I began to think, how many people in church do I just meet their representative? When you're struggling with suicide, you're struggling with hurt, you're struggling with pain, you've been hurt by all these different things. All these things are impacting your life by divorce, by past hurts, by doubt, by fear. You have all these things hurting you, hurting you, hurting you, and you don't know how to deal with it, and you put this mask on like if things are okay. Can I have your mask, please? I want it. You look better with it on. I might give it back to you afterwards. Who gave you this one? You chose it because you were being honest? Lust. Quiet. It's like a knife. (laughs) Service is over. You're all excused. Lust. Lust. Pornography. Sexual immorality, premarital sex, things you can't resist, touching, grabbing, groping, masturbation, that I happen to mention in pornography. All these things affecting your life, your thought processes. Some of you is being hurt by other people's lust. You following me today? Homosexual tendencies. Not knowing how to love somebody, so you love something the wrong way. You following me? You get what I'm saying? People being raped, molested, hurt, and it messes up your, your half your life because you don't understand why. Because somebody lost and was misplaced into your life. And you wear a mask as if you're okay when every night you sin. Every night you're sinning, every night you put your head on your bed, you are committing sins against your own body, if you get what I'm saying. You're looking at things on the internet and watching stuff you ain't got no business watching. You're thinking things while you're driving on the street. You have no business thinking. And I've come to the conclusion, like a heroin addict, if he tried to get himself off the drug cold turkey, a lot of them die because they can't live without it because they built a dependency upon it. And so you are dependent upon your sin because you can't live with without it and if you do it every day you're addicted and you think you ain't got a problem well I do it twice a week sin is sin right give it up for your uh, helpers there we put our mask on as if It's going to really cover us, not realizing people see through your masks. You following me? I was telling somebody the other day, I could spot a a liar a mile away. I I know when people are lying. You can walk up to me, and if I've been praying right, to be honest, I can pretty much tell you exactly what you're struggling with, how you're struggling with it, and how your mind is dealing with it. Every time I counsel somebody, like, 
wow, you, you, you pegged me correctly. I, I counseled us, one of, the, one of the churches, somebody from GVA, I counseled their family member a couple of weeks ago. And they called them up afterwards. And I, I met this person on one occasion. And I counseled and he goes, yo, that your pastor, like, it's like he knew me his whole life. And she's like, that wasn't him, that was God, don't worry. My question to you is, who is the real you? I'm tired of meeting all you fake people, to be honest. You're a bunch of lying, masturbating, fornicating, lustful, fearful, doubtful people with a bunch of issues. And you got all these issues, but you put that mask on just so people can think you're all right. Because that mask is who, who you really want to be. That mask is who you really want to look like. But you can't. You can't become it. And you don't know why. You have time for one more scripture? Turn with me in your Bibles to one of the greatest Psalms. And it's Psalms 139. You have to understand the real God knows you. He knows in you everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows everything. Let's start with verses 1 through 6. It's a short psalm, and I want to read it to you. And I'm reading from the New International Version. And David writes this, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before me. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God already knows you, so why are you faking? God knows you. He made you. He created you. Why are you faking? Just to be accepted. Just so you can fit the perceptive norm of society and church. Just so you can fit what society says a Christian should look like. When society has no clue what a Christian should look like. Because a Christian should look like you've been through hell. Because the devil put you through hell. You're following me. He says, you him in front of me and behind me. In Hebrew, what it really means is that those words translated, it speaks of him clearing a path before you and clearing your path in front of you. He wipes away your past and he gives you a new path in front of you. You've got to understand that he knows you better than you know yourself. Tell the person next to you, take the mask off. You don't have to be ashamed. Can I tell you something? You may feel ashamed of your behaviors. True honesty right now, please, please. How many of you have an issue with lustful thoughts? Raise your hand. Thank you for the honest people. Can I tell you something? When it comes to sins like sexual immorality or, or fornication or, or whether it's masturbation or whatever it is, sin is simply legitimate needs being fulfilled in an illegitimate manner. All the kids are out, so we can say this. As a human, your body craves sexual intimacy. It's something, eventually, you need as a person. But because you're not married, you're illegitimately fulfilling that need when yet it's not time yet. And you're ashamed of your feeling. I should feel like I shouldn't want to have sex. No, you dummy. You should just learn how to keep your pants on. Until it is the right time. Don't be ashamed that you have a sex drive. 
that don't make no sense. Become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you, O God. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Understand there's no hiding from God. Nowhere you can go, nowhere you can feel, no place you can go. God is everywhere. Tell the person next to you everywhere. You can go to heaven, you can go to hell. God's still going to be there. His presence will never fail you. Even if you tried to escape him. When it seems like things are getting at its worst point, can I tell you something? It takes real maturity to follow God when things get dark. You following me? The problem with the church is this. I've said it to you before. That you get so accustomed to, you know, like when you're you're sitting in a room and you turn the lights off and you can't see a thing. But you wait about five minutes, your pupils dilate, and bam, you can see everything because now your body has, has acted in a way that now it can recognize and, and it's, it's done the proper adjustment so you can see in the dark. And it's not like the light is on, but you can manage to get around. That's how Christians are. You've become so accustomed to the dark. Now you just know how to operate living in sin. Now you know how to operate and come to church when your life is a living hell. You know how to operate and come to church and play the part because you're living in darkness, acting like you're living in the light. But if I turn the light on to you right now you're offended which is called conviction and you're saying oh he's always talking about the same things because you're still dealing with the same things that's the person next to you lights on right now you need to realize some things that I am never alone I'm never in the dark when I'm with God that when God is on your side you're always secure in God's arms Verses 13 to 16. If, if in case I didn't tell you, 7 through 12 is God is always with me. 13 to 16 is God's creative expression is you. Meaning you are God's masterpiece. David writes this of the creation of himself. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my uniformed, my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to even be. He knew you. He knew you before you knew yourself. He says you knew me in the secret place, in your parents' bedroom, wherever you were conceived. He says you knew me even then. God knows you. There's no point in trying to hide. Are you getting my drift today so far? And because God knows you. You see, in medieval times, Suppose somebody wanted to be a carpenter, they would first start off as an apprentice, working with the master carpenter. And once they reached a certain achievement level, they would turn into what you call a journeyman. And the journeyman had the, the middle type of skills, and he was a good craftsman, but he wasn't the best. And then, and then it came to a point in his life, after a certain amount of years, that he would become a, a master carpenter, but he would have to go before the elders of his, of his guild. And the guild, is, is, he would just basically go before a bunch of carpenters and show them something he made that was so excellent that they would say, okay, now you're ready to be considered a master carpenter. They 
there is a process that you have to go through. And there is a process that you need to let God work in you. Maybe some of you are just an apprentice. Maybe some of you are a journeyman. But God's working you to be a masterpiece. God's working you to be something amazing, something awesome, something fantastic. Because he knit you together. Every last strand of your DNA, he has put you and knit you together. I will recognize God in myself. I will stop thinking lowly of myself. I will recognize that God loves me. And I will recognize in other people, no matter how much I can't stand them, they're one of God's masterpieces. You're hearing me? Life is a mystery. We work things from the outside Inwardly, but God works from the inside out. He created you, started from the inside. The Bible says that God works from the end of your life to the beginning because he sees from the end to the beginning. And because he knows where you're going to end up, he starts from there and says, how can I stop them? How can I change Melvin's life? So he looks at the end and says, well, Melvin is destined right now to go to hell. What can I do to Melvin to help him change his life? And he goes back and he says, four years ago, I'm 2004, 2005, I'm going to have Melvin have an encounter with my presence and he's going to get saved. And although he was whatever he was before, now he's going to be a man of God and GBA that everybody looks up to because this is my plan for his life. And I've worked from the backside and I've worked backwards because you know why he has to work backwards? Because if he didn't, everything in your life is your decision. But now God gives you an opportunity and he puts his path in your path to intersect and say, this is what I want from you. You following me? Tell the person next to you, he has five more minutes. Verses 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I awake, I, I'm still with you. I want you to put next to your notes for verse 17 and 18. God inspires all. A-W-E, all. Seeing how God's knowledge thing, who he is, and the things he has done, the things he can do, it should inspire you and say, wow, God is so vast. There's a scripture in the Bible where David says that God's very breath breathes out stars and he creates the, the, the planets and the galaxies and the universe with the whisper of his voice. When I think of the grandeur of God, the goodness of God, I don't have to hide who I am. Because I understand that he's just so amazing that if he can form a planet, he's going to figure out what I've been doing the last couple of weeks in my life. You following me? Verses 19 to 22. If only you would slay the wicked, O oh God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and abhor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. You know what David's doing right there? He's keeping it real. He's saying, God, there's some people I can't freaking stand. I hate them. Can you just be honest? There's some people you cannot stand. And then realize half of the reason you can't stand them is because you judge them. And there's people in your lives that you can't, you can't deal with. And you just got to be honest with God. And because you need to think less of yourself. And stop hiding who you are, what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with. Somebody say amen. And then he takes a turn here. He radically changes his view towards God. And he says this. 
And actually, if I didn't tell you, uh, verses 19 to 22 is God inspires honesty. Real, real Christianity should inspire honesty, amen? And here's the last part of it right here. He says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, your anxieties. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. He's challenging God. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me into the everlasting Search me. He says, open the closets of my life. Open anywhere I've hidden things. Open it right now. Where I'm pretending, where I'm being fake. Open it. I'm giving you all of it. Test me. He says, know what stresses me out. My anxiety. How many of you have anxiety? Worry about stuff? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Always stressing things. We come to church, God's in control at home. What is he going to do? Come to church, God's in control. Go home, oh my God, I'm so depressed. Come to church, that's my song. Yeah, pastor preached up a storm. God's in control. Monday morning, you're still looking like crap. Because you haven't said, God, search me. You see, he started off with saying, God, you know me. But even though I know that you know me, God, I need you now to search me. Because I'm not doing a good job of it myself. Because God can't take things out of you. You got to take things out of you. See, he said, God, search me so that I may know. Stand with me. Those masks are who you really are. I would challenge you even next week that you came to church and said, I'm going to stop being fake. Nobody likes fake people. Does anybody here like fake people? That means you don't like yourself because you're fake. I love how they're getting y'all like that. Oh, he got me again. Oh, we all hate fake people. I don't like that girl. She's fake. I can just tell all about it. She's fake. I don't like that guy. He's fake. He did this. He, did, he said that back in high school. He did this. He did. And we're just sitting there, and we're being fake. Because we got all these things wrong with us. And we're saying, hallelujah. Am I telling you to sit there and tell the whole world your problems and to wallow in self-pity? No. But I'm telling you to not try and be so super safe and so fake that, that you act as if you have it all together when you're breaking at the seams of your life and you're holding on by a strand. You can play. You've been dealing with some things, struggling and hurting, and you really, 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 really act like you have it all put together. Come on, bow your heads with me. I'm not even going to do an altar call today. It's too hot for altar calls. Come on, if that's you struggling and you have a mask on, I just want you to raise your hand so we can pray together. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's respect each other in this place. So many of us have our hands up. We have masks on. Dear Heavenly Fathers, we come here surrendered to you right now, God. Father God, we ask you that you, even in yourself, God, would, would begin to, Father, just open up our hearts, God, open up our minds, Father God. 
God, that you would open up your, our, our hearts to be able to understand, God, that you, Father, you, God, want to take the mask off in our lives. Come on, somebody open up your mouth and pray right now. Come on, open up your mouth and pray right now. Come on. You got to talk to God for yourself and say, God, I've been being fake. I'm struggling, God, and I'm hurting, God. I need you right now. Father God. A new level in you, Father God. A new destiny in you, Father God. God, that the struggle was not going to be easy, God, but the struggle, God, is worth it, God. So come on, somebody pray right now. Open up your mouth. God, release a fresh wind into his life right now, Father God. A fresh wind right now, Father God. Father. Father, a hunger in him, God. I feel a hunger in his spirit, God. God, that you would release it, God. Release right now, Father God, a fresh wind, God. A new revelation, God. A new revelation of who you are in his life, God. Open up the windows of heaven over his life for his courage to come walking up here for prayer, God. New surrender in his life. Father God, that you would call him to break off the ties around him, God, that he got to break off, God. So he can walk in you, Father God. Healing to his body, Father God. Healing to his spirit, God, right now, Father God. Come on, somebody say, God, take this mask. Come on, say it really like you mean it. God, take this mask. Take it off. I've been playing church, God. I don't want this, God. I need the real thing, God. I need to be real with you, God. In the name of Jesus, Father, we speak life into him right now, God. We speak life into each other. Come on, look to the person next to you and tell them, I speak life into you. I speak life into your spirit, into your well-being. I rebuke every work of the enemy. Every mask in your life, you've got to command it to leave. Every mask in your life, you've got to take it off. Every time you feel broken, you feel hurt, you've got to say, I'm going to be real. I'm going to call somebody up and say, I'm going through some crap in my life, and I need you to lift me up in prayer because I'm about to end it all myself right now. want to have masks. I don't want to meet representatives. But that you're being real with yourself. Come on, do you need God this this afternoon? Can you be honest and say, Pastor, man, I've been really having masks on. You see, this morning, before praise and worship, I said to my praise and worship team, I said, I'm tired of, of basically meeting your representatives. I said, who's the real you? I said, who's the real you? Put your hands together for that brave man right there. So I stood up in front of my praise and worship team. And I told them every last thing in my life I was struggling with, I held nothing back. I told them that's the real me. And one by one they stood up and they said things that blew my mind and and, and, and to know that we were all going through the, basically the same exact things. Real, deep, sincere things. Be real with somebody in your life. People are struggling just like you are. 
The greatest trick of the enemy is to make you think you're alone. You're hearing me. Grab the hand of the person next to you. Father, we come to you, Father, in sincerity, God, and just in truth, God, with a deep necessity, God, just to, to be real before you, God. God, as your word says in Psalms 139, God, you've searched me, you know me. You know my heart, my thoughts, and you know my words before I speak them. So, Father, if you know me so well, God, help me to walk right, God. Help me not to be fake, God. Help me to just be realistic, God. Help me be real with the people around me, with my friends, with my family, God. I want to be the same person on Sunday morning in church. I want to be that person at home, God. I want that deliverance doesn't just stay here in church, but it goes home with me, God. That I'm not struggling, I'm not dealing with the same issues, God. God, bring peace into our hearts and our minds. Peace, God, into our spirits, God. Peace, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, put your hands.